This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. All right. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Alex Jimenez. In today's show, we are talking with one of our regulars, Dr. Jonathan Bloom, and a client of his, Howie Nissenbaum. We are going to hear about how Howie's cat overcame a devastating cancer diagnosis, of course, not only through the perseverance of Howie and Dr. Bloom, but also through a series of fear-free tactics being implemented over the course of more than a year. As we hear all too often, Pook is a great cat at home, but experienced severe fear, anxiety, and stress when at the vet. You can read all the details of Puka's journey in the May 2017 volume of AHA's Trends, but today we're here to talk with Howie and Dr. Bloom and hear firsthand just how this went down for Puka. So, gentlemen, thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Alex. Puka feels privileged to be taking part. And we get to talk about cats. We get to talk about cats. We get to talk about dogs. We get to talk about cats this time. Yes, and not only that, this is the second podcast we have done featuring a case study and an owner. And the first one, with Dr. Bloom, that goes through the story of a dog named Nakoda, is actually our most listened to podcast of all time. So uh, no pressure or anything like that. (laughs) Anyhow, Dr. Bloom, I wanted to start with you. So can you just give us the backstory here and tell us how did we get here? Yeah, so I've been looking after Puka and Howie for many years providing regular health care for Puka and meeting all of her needs. We were doing vaccines, doing regular exams, early disease detection, screening, preventative health care, all the things that we know we should be doing as a high level of, of, of uh, health care being offered to pets from veterinarians. And about two years ago, uh, during one of Puka's visits, I realized she was losing weight. And Howie was as surprised as I am. I guess the weight loss had been subtle over the over the months before. He had not realized it. And we realized we had a problem. So we decided we have to investigate because there was no real good reason that Howie knew of for the weight loss. We did some blood tests and some urine tests that day, and her thyroid came back unusually high, her thyroid levels. And so we knew that we had a problem there. Uh, through all of her visits, you know, over the years, I had watched Puka's behavior escalate and, and get worse. She was becoming more and more difficult to handle as time went on. And it was around the time, you know, that we were just starting to implement a lot of the policies and procedures of, of Fear Free and integrating that change into our, our, our hospital philosophy and practice standards. And when when we knew that we had to medicate her and, and address her thyroid problem, uh, it, it presented some challenges. We we would have investigated further, but her her behavior was changing, and you know how we wanted to minimize that. And so we put her on, you know, instead of doing a, a, a full thorough investigation beyond that which we had already done, we had to put her on some medication for her overactive thyroid. And when we saw her back. Um, you know, her weight was not improving the way I had expected it to. We did take another blood test and her thyroid was back to normal. And this was not sort of developing the way I had thought it ought to in, in that she wasn't gaining weight. 
So, so we decided that we had to proceed further at this point. We had no other choice. And, you know, it, it was the time that we were starting to make these changes in our, in, in our hospital approach with Fear Free. And just as luck would have it, these two events happened at the same time. So we were able to, impl- you know, use some of our, our protocols that we had developed for our practice, and we were able to take Puka then through a series of x-rays, which then followed a series of ultras- uh, an ultrasound, and, and then later endoscopy and biopsies. And with that came the diagnosis of intestinal lymphoma. And, you know, for sure for Howie, the, the biggest problem was was accepting that his cat had cancer. And the prognosis is not very good without treatment. For us, on my side uh, of healthcare, my biggest challenge was figuring out how was I going to manage her? Because I, I realized what this meant for her. I realized what this meant for us together. It meant that we were going to have to start her on treatment and have her come in regularly to have her weight reassessed, to have a proper exam, to have her blood tested. We put her on prednisone and chlorambucil, so we knew as we cycled through the, the chlorambucil treatments that we were going to have to be keeping a careful eye on her. And how that was going to happen uh, was going to be a challenge. And so in implementing a lot of these policies that, that we do, we were able to draft a plan that would allow her to come in and, and have a good experience. We we believe strongly that these guys should have the best experience imaginable while visiting the veterinary hospital. And and uh, Puka deserved to have that. I think if I take a step back and I watch what sort of happened retrospectively, I think her behavior probably escalated, probably because of something that I did over the years. You know, we, we bring these pets to our hospital and and we put them in strange rooms with strange smells and strange sounds and strange people. And then we put bright lights in their eyes to check their pupils and we pry open their mouths to check their, their, their teeth. We squeeze their bellies to check their spleen and their liver and their organs. We needle them for vaccines. We needle them for blood samples. And there's just no great experience going to the veterinary hospital for a lot of these cats. And they learn very quickly. There's nothing that's going to, that's, there's nothing good that's going to come out of this. And so we probably taught her that. And we were able to find a solution just at her time of greatest need. And so how is this case different? Well, we were able to take what could have been a very bad experience and we could we were able to turn it around and make it a very good experience. And we were able to take an owner who probably would have given up on us and given up on proper health care, and instead we were able to make him most committed and give Puka the, the best care uh, that the owner or we could ever have imagined. And in that regard, it's different because sadly, it's just not that common. Sadly, a lot of these cats just continue to escalate until everyone throws in the towel and the ultimate decision to put them down is is what's reached. And we can do better, and we're happy that Howie was able to partner with us and, and allow us to do that. 
right? And how we, we talked about how Puka is an extremely well-behaved cat at home. She even likes car rides. But at the vet, it's a little bit of a different story. Yeah, well, I think she she was associating the vet with all these invasive procedures and uh, it just mere, merely looking at a white coat got her started. Yeah, and unfortunately, that is something that I think too many pet owners can relate to. So tell me, how is this different for you? And I guess more importantly, how is this different for Puka? Well, especially for Puka. Well, let's, I guess, start with Eric because what it was is we, we I call it the sort of the, era, the erasure of the memory because pre her blood tests, which she had to go in for, um, we would sedate her at home about an hour or two beforehand so that she was nice and calm coming in and then prior to drawing any blood, Jonathan would would sedate her further. And so Puka really had not a lot of conscious memory of what's going on in terms of the invasive procedures and would then wake up in a cage. I would then time it, pick her up shortly later and bring her home so that I, I can't project it, but I'm assuming that this whole procedure became a bit of a, a painless blur. So she didn't associate the journey to the vet with, you know, the white coats and the needles being prodded because she probably didn't remember it. So what it did was it allowed us to continue. Um, her, well, she's on her, her 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 course of meds, and then she has to have her blood tested relatively uh, fairly regularly uh, to, just to make sure that her immune system is is okay. So now we can do this. We have a routine, and you know, the, the night prior to it. Um, she just, you know, she fasts the morning of, she gets sedated and then away she goes. And she, I don't think she has much of a memory of all that goes on at the vet. So it's not a traumatic place for her anymore. Puka's on um, a treatment for her intestinal lymphoma, which includes prednisone and cycles of chlorambucil, which is a chemotherapeutic agent. And there are some risks of some side effects, which in true Puka style, she, she encountered. And so we have to keep a very close eye on her immune system and make sure she doesn't get any bone marrow suppression or further bone marrow suppression. And so we have to see Puka more regularly than we would typically see these cases. And that doesn't help really with her behavior um, were we not to take a different approach, uh, the, the fear-free approach to providing health care for her. We simply wouldn't be able to do it. Right. And obviously, Howie, this was better for Puka. But how did it make you feel seeing Dr. Bloom take this approach that not only looked after Puka's physical needs, but also her emotional needs and took into consideration the stress that she was enduring during these visits? Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was prepared to see it through, you know, uh, probably maybe a little more tenacious than most. But I would say that other pet owners would have simply said I can't take my cat in or my dog in for that I'm not I'm not going to go through the the rigmarole of you know of you know well Puka Puka would attack anybody that was that was coming near her in a white coat so we had to get her calm so definitely what this does is it allows um I guess a, a more more systematic and aggressive treatments without the animal really have, having the the ill effects of the trauma and and puka puka you know puka goes now you know sort of once a month in for her blood test and it's no big deal for her so um it, it, it's doing the trick there, there's 
I think the, the, the sedation really just calms her right down and allows for them to do whatever they need to do um, without her reacting negatively to it. And, and she doesn't seem to have also the, um, um, you know, that sudden heart rate increase when she walks in the door there because she's already, she's already relaxed. Puka gets uh, some, some pre-visit pharmaceuticals at home to, to sort of calm her so that when she arrives in my, my hospital and gets into the exam room, she's calm and relaxed. Still not good enough, Alex, for me to do much with her, but enough that I can manage her a little bit, do a brief exam, and then I give her uh, a protocol that I created for her for uh, an injection. She doesn't even flinch for that because she's relaxed. And then in her mind, she goes home afterwards. She just misses everything in between, everything from the injection. We give that how he sits with her a few minutes. Then how he leaves, I take Puka for her blood sampling and her exam, you know, her more comprehensive exam and anything else that needs to be done. And then Puka wakes up and goes home. And miss, she misses all of that. But that's that's the protocol that we follow for her, which is, you know, I think how he's grateful for that because Puka doesn't have really any bad experience at my hospital at all. And my staff are grateful because they can get a proper sample without having to, to, to fight with Puka or risk injuring either Puka or themselves. I'm happy because it's great health care for, for, for Puka. And Puka has a great experience. No, it ensures that Puka, Puka is getting all her treatments on time. There's never a sort of a, uh, a hesitation to bring her in. There's not a day where you say, I just can't handle um, the fight that's going to go on. Now, we don't have that anymore, so everything runs like clockwork. So she gets her meds on time, every time. And that is incredible that you guys were able to get to this point. But Dr. Bloom, I want to be very blunt. Do you think Puka would still be here today had it not been for the fear-free tactics and interventions that you did on Puka? There is no way that, that this could have gone forward without this fear-free approach to healthcare. You know, we can look at it from a few perspectives. You know, for, for my staff, this would have looked like one person on the front end, one person holding her back legs, one person taking a, a blood sample regularly, e-collars, muzzles, risk of injury. Instead, we turned it into the, the you know, the fastest, easiest, most gentle blood blood draw ever. And proper exam we can do it in a nice gentle manner and um you know for 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 my staff it works out great there's no way that they would have been able to have done this safely any other way and then for howie he's already alluded to to that you know he he probably would have become non-compliant he he would not have he, he probably would have just given up and even though he's more committed than, than most owners, um, you know, he was on the trajectory like, like most other owners. It would have taken him a bit more than most, but, you know, he, he would have just stopped coming. Uh, he would have been resentful of, of watching what his cat has to go through every time it walks into my hospital. Puka's thyroid condition and lymphoma would have spiraled out of control. Um, he would have probably struggled with Puka at home, uh, reading on the internet, 
speaking to neighbors, going to pet food stores, trying to get any advice that he can to, to treat Puka however he can, um, based on whatever he heard out in the general public. And whether valid or not valid, he would have probably done it out of disparity, just anything to avoid coming to see the veterinarian. And, and probably the next time that I would have seen Howie and Puka, I'm going to guess, if, if history repeats itself like it has for so many other pets across North America, the next time I would have seen Howie would probably have been when things were so bad and Puka just wasn't doing anymore that he threw in the towel and decided to put Puka down. And so it would have been that last visit. Um, for Puka, um, you know, we talked about her great experience without treatment, if, you know, because of her behavior, without proper treatment, um, her prognosis, a few months, and here we are a couple of years later, and she's doing great, has great experiences, she's happy at home, she's active, she's living the best life she's ever lived, and, uh, you know, she, she's doing great. And, you know, against all odds, we've developed this relationship between Howie, Puka, and me. I mean, really, against all odds, because of uh, her behavior and, and this, this different approach to addressing that behavior. And there, there are thousands of Pukas out there across North America. And, and the question is, what will become of them? You know, veterinarians have choices, and I, I think they'll make the right choice. Yeah, and I think that is becoming very apparent in the number of people choosing to seek fear-free certification. We have more than 10,000 people registered and about half of those certified, so so I agree. Now, Howie, I'm wondering, from your perspective, what is your expectation now, and how has this changed your perception of veterinary medicine and what you expect when you go to the vet? Oh, yeah. What it's telling me is that that we can take very, very serious conditions with animals and turn them into something chronic and manageable. It's because it's, it's not like a human being where you can reason with them saying, look, you got to go. Um, I, I, I was just I, I have a much easier time and, and the cat is assured of getting meds on time. And we've turned this into for as long as it lasts, a, cro- a chronic condition where the cat is leading a virtually a normal life. So I, I couldn't expect anything better. Which, which is a great story in, in, in itself. I mean, compliance is the number one problem we have in, in veterinary medicine. How, how, it, it's not usually getting to the diagnosis. You know, we can usually get there. Um, it, it's how do we manage them afterwards? In Puka's case, actually, we probably would have had problems even getting there. I mean, we we took Puka from, wow, Puka's losing weight. Let's get a blood sample to taking her through x-rays and ultrasound and scoping and biopsies. I mean, that that is not an easy task for uh, a, a pet who doesn't like going to the veterinary hospital. It's not easy for Puka. It's not easy for the healthcare team, and it's not easy for Howie either. But we were able to sort of work through that, and then, you know, that that actually becomes the easy part, believe it or not, because as Howie's saying, the, the next thing is, okay, so we have a diagnosis. How are we going to manage this cat? I mean, can you imagine how how problematic is it when 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 it's the the treatment options or it's the, it's Puka's behavior that are going to dictate the treatment options? And you know how he was able to work with us to to allow us to go through that and change all of that and. You know, 
Puka is doing great. And we're long after the diagnosis. So, um, you know, good on you, Howie. And, and I'm so happy every time I see Puka and I look at her and when she's awake and I go, wow, she looks awesome. <laughs> and then, then, you know, we sedate her and everyone, all my staff see her and go, wow, she looks great. And then she goes home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, nobody wants to watch their pet be traumatized on a continual basis. So, yeah, the experience is it's calmer for humans. Right. That is right on. That is exactly what we are here trying to change, not just for pet owners, but for the pets themselves, obviously, for doctors, for staff, for everyone involved in taking care of them. And that's what we're about. So, gentlemen, uh, that is it for our show today. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Pleasure. Ple- pleasure. And, and, and thanks, Alex, for, for sharing you know this story with so many people. I'm I just know for sure that, you know, Puka is going to help a lot of other cats in the future uh, just by being an example of, of what good can happen with a little extra effort. So, so thanks for putting these podcasts together and sharing that with everybody. I think it's wonderful. Indeed. And for our listeners that we did get to share the story with today, be sure to check out fearfreepets.com to learn about everything fear-free. Thanks for joining us. 